Hello and welcome to a new episode of SIS Masters podcast. I'm Arnaud Rijard, founder of Sport Innovation Society, and I interview for you some of the best experts in the sports industry. Today, I welcome Chris Ives, Senior Director, Brand Experience and Innovation with the Minnesota Twins, famous baseball team of the Major League Baseball. In his role, he uses sport as a platform to expand the boundaries of human experience while pushing the twins to set the standard for innovation in sports and entertainment. With the goal to make the Minnesota Twins the most innovative organization in sport, Chris deep dives today with us into his experiences in innovation, the partnership with Techstars, and many more. And before we start this episode, many thanks to Sportsmanias, presenting partner of SIS Masters podcast. Sportsmanias is a creative digital agency recognized as the industry leader in animated emojis and augmented reality effects, connecting partners and brands with fans' conversations on every major mobile messaging and social media platform. Sportsmanias emojis and AR effects have driven over 15 billion views to date. 15 billion. Feel free to check out sportsmanias.com. Hi, Chris. How are you today back home in Minneapolis? Doing great. And you are in Mexico City, are you not? I'm in Mexico, in Guadalajara. Guadalajara. Yeah, my apologies. Guadalajara. No, no <laughs> you're beautiful. Yeah. Happy to hear that you had a great innovative activation this weekend. You, you never stop innovating, right? That's right. Uh, we we hosted our annual Twins Fest this weekend. We were glad to be back in person for the first time in a couple of years, but we did get a pretty unique digital activation with our partners at Virtual Tables in this weekend. Nice, nice. Happy to hear that. Look, I'm glad to welcome you at this Masters podcast um, because we're going to chat about something that matters to most sports organizations, brands, and media, which is what you do pushing the boundaries of innovation, brand and human experience. Yeah. We do that with the Twins, the Minnesota Twins uh, and Techstars program. But before getting to the topic, how did you yeah. fall in love with sport? You're, you're, you're a guy from Minnesota. Was I am. all your it, first love? Yeah, you know, I, I am a guy from Minnesota. And in my formative years, the, uh, the Minnesota Twins won a couple of uh, World Series as I was a uh, a young lad playing baseball myself, um, you know, saw us win when I was seven years old and 11 years old. Unfortunately, haven't uh, won a World Series since then, but have uh, fielded quite a few uh, exciting teams between now and then. Uh, when I was in college, uh, we had a pretty interesting run of success. And as uh, the University of Minnesota is very close to downtown Minneapolis, uh, my you know fellow students and I used to jaunt over to the at the time it was the Metrodome that the Twins played at on on afternoons, skip class, go take in a ball game, maybe sneak in a few beers, and uh, and then head back to the university. So between being a, a young boy and watching our team win a couple of World Series and having some pretty fun teams to watch uh, as I was maturing into adulthood. Uh, the the Twins have, have been my team uh, my entire life. So you've been there in family, you've been there with your friends and um, with your friends, now you work there. How did you get to work with the Twins? Because, you know, so many people dream of working for their beloved sports organization, but not yeah, you know, honestly, uh, as I was entering the workforce, 
course, it never really occurred to me that I could work for a professional sports team, much less my favorite professional sports team. Um, and as I began my career, I uh, I had a short stint at a public relations firm. I, I got a degree in uh, public relations and journalism from the University of Minnesota. Uh, I went to a public relations firm in downtown Minneapolis here, um, did some corporate communications for uh, a local uh, healthcare organization for about three and a half years. And throughout the course of that, I got to know some folks at the Twins pretty well. Um, I was getting some tickets behind the scenes from one of my friends there. Um, she ended up coming to work for the healthcare provider I was working for and and when a communications job with the twins opened up, uh, she knew about it before the job was posted to the public and and asked me if I would be interested in it. And it was only then that it occurred to me that I could potentially work in sports. Um, so she asked me if I was interested. And I, I, for a second, didn't think it was a real question, but uh, it turns out it was. And I uh, found my way over to the Minnesota Twins uh, in a corporate communications capacity. Um, it was at the time we were moving from the Metrodome to our new facility here at Target Field newish facility here at Target Field. I say that 13 seasons in, it still feels new. Um, so I was, uh, when I joined the Twins, I was the uh, corporate communications manager and uh, working primarily in a media relations capacity, managing all off the field communications. So um, anything on the broadcast side of our business, community side of our business, but primarily I was doing a lot of work related to our upcoming move to Target Field, which was at the time our new facility. And so since then, uh, I've been with the Twins nearly 15 years now, I'm coming on my 15th season here. Um, I've had a variety of roles throughout the organization, started in communication. I built out um, our our digital capacity as social media began to proliferate. I I built that out as a communications function. Um, shortly after that, I built out a a larger marketing function. Built out a. Uh, a digital content studio within the twins to support what we were doing on that side. And, and now I find myself in charge of uh, building out an innovation function on behalf of the organization. So it was probably a bit longer of an answer than you were looking for, but that's, that's <laughs> how we got to where we are today. I think <laughs> that's many questions in one. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, almost 15 years. We can say you're quite loyal to the team and you've been growing up. Can you help us understand what the Minnesota Twins are? Because not all of our audience is very knowledgeable in baseball. So yeah, absolutely. You to help understand what it means to be Minnesota Twins. Yeah, absolutely. So the Minnesota Twins are one of 30 franchises in Major League Baseball. Uh, we are in Minnesota, which for those that are not familiar, is smack dab in the middle of uh, the United States of America, as uh, some of our, our coastal counterparts might refer to it, flyover country. Um, but as as we refer to it, it's it's home. Um, and so we are, are one of 30 franchises, uh, within the major league baseball system, um, have had, you know, some periods of, of great success. Like many sports teams have also had some periods of great challenges. It's, it's all ebb and flow. Um, but we operate within the major league baseball ecosystem and, and play baseball at the highest level that it's played on the world stage. How many fans and what is the profile of the fans? 
Sure. So uh, being from the Twin Cities, uh, we call our our home territory Twins Territory. Um, and, and Twins Territory spans pretty far and wide, uh, just based on the geography that we have. So, um, you know, our, our main hat has a TC on it, which stands for the Twin Cities, the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, which are, are two very similar cities on opposite sides of a river. Um, but uh, our, our footprint expands far beyond the Twin Cities. So the, the majority of our fans live within the Twin Cities, uh, but we have a great uh, outstate fan base as well that not only spans Minnesota, but spans uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Northern Iowa, and Western Wisconsin uh, is kind of the area that we refer to as, as Twins territory. Nice. So when we speak about innovation brand experience, yeah, what does it mean to you? I mean, what is your North Star? What is it you're looking for? Sure. Uh, because you know, we can be so wide i mean the it's such a wide space <laughs> you starting with starting with the big questions here are not huh <laughs> um so you know the north star for me really what uh what i am tasked with is making the minnesota twins the most innovative organization in sport period uh, simple Boom. Simple. Yeah. Simple. And ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that is the North star from, you know, an organization's perspective. If you ask me like what gets me out of bed every day, it's, it's poking at the edges of the human experience to get to create something new that, you know, the human race has never seen to get to play a role in expanding uh, what it means to experience sport and how we experience that. That is uh, that's, that's personally what gets me out of bed every day. So you want people to feel new things. Uh, new things, uh, that, that help them, you know, connect more with their sport. It's, it's not just about being new. It's about, um, it's about drawing a greater connection. Um, ultimately we deal in the tech space, but, um, it's, it's my hope and my mission to, um, that that tech can provide a, a greater sense of humanity for the people that are using it. That's interesting. You're speaking a lot about humanity and a lot of what you've done is on digital uh in the digital space with metaverse and we'll get to that after but sure so we're going to come back to that right after but um yeah. so when you do that it's like an open page uh because so many options you can you can choose from metaverse yeah. to local programs and community programs to uh whatever so yeah what is your process to decide, oh, I like to step into these new fields? How do you decide how much you invest? How do you decide return on investment? Because many sports organizations dream of innovating, but the process is not that simple. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And and we do have a fairly outlined innovation process that I have, you know, borrowed from various different industries. Um, and I think I'll get to the first part of your question uh, first. And that's, you know, what are what are the filters that we put ideas through um, to decide to ultimately pursue them? And I would say, first and foremost, the first filter we always put everything through is, is this good for the fan? Does this drive the fan experience forward? Um, it is always fan first. We are always fan centric. Um, uh, the second is, 
does this help us achieve our business objectives? And and does it help us achieve those business objectives in a new, smarter, more efficient way? Um, so fan first, business processes second, um, and then there are various other um, layers of of you know filtration that we put it through. But but really, it all starts with the fan and is backed up by by the business. When it says it's a business, what kind of objective? Is it equity, um, brand equity? Is it driving new incomes? Uh, what kind of objectives and how do you put the, how can I say, as a driver where, where it's most important? Man, what a good question. You, I mean, you, you are, you are, you only are asking big questions, I think, which is, <laughs> is, is fun. There's not too many conversations where that, man, you're, you're getting right to the heart of it. Um, you, you're getting, why, why are we doing this is, is probably a simple, a simple, like the simplest way of asking that. Why? Like just, um, and, and yeah, let's start with that. It's three reasons. It's, um, it's first and foremost, uh, our innovation efforts are a brand play. We are seeking to push the Minnesota Twins brand beyond just a baseball team. Um, and we think that innovation, venture capital, tech investing is one way to do that. So one, it's a brand play. Two, it's a culture and a people play for us. Uh, we want to you know, become the most innovative organization in sport. Um, to do that, we need people at all levels of our organization thinking with a growth mindset, thinking with an innovation mindset. And what better way to instill those values than by giving people at all levels of our organization proximity to and access to the innovative thinking style and entrepreneurial spirit of startup founders. Um, and and that's what you know part of what our our accelerator program is all about. So two, uh, it's a culture play. It's a people play. Um, and three, uh, it is a revenue play for us. It's a long term, long tail revenue play. I think as you see uh all sports organizations trying to diversify their revenue streams, um, we think uh early stage venture capital investing is a smart way to go about that and similar to any uh players that we would draft we realize we are not going to see those returns on the field um or in the front office for 6 to 10 years um so if if we think about our innovation efforts uh from a similar lens as we think of our player investments on the field uh that's about the the time frame that we're looking for these things to to ultimately pay us back and we are uh we're early on in that process so really time alone will tell if we're successful in driving that uh that third objective which is revenue um but i feel like we're we're on a a a pretty good path there so so ultimately to recap um your huge question of of why <laughs> are we doing this it's it's three reasons it's brand it's culture and it's revenue Hmm. Let's start with culture. Yeah. Building building an innovation culture is not easy. Uh it means a lot of efforts and it's not you decide it and it happens. Yeah. Uh, so that would be so nice. <laughs> but, <laughs> what My do you boss think? would agree with you. <laughs> uh Maybe for you it was, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what where's the the pillars of the keys of you know putting the whole organization behind with with an inno, uh, innovation and growth mindset. 
Um, you know, it, it, it really does go back to that first thing. It's, it's about our brand and about who we are as an organization. We, um, ultimately through the research we've done, we're, we are thought of as a baseball team, which, you know, funny enough, we are a baseball team, right? Um, but we want to be seen as more than that. And we think, uh, that innovation is the route that is going to ultimately help us achieve that. Hmm. Okay, so so it's deeply part of the DNA. Uh, it will be. It will be. <laughs> okay. And when you speak about revenue uh, long term, so six to 10 years, um, because solutions can, can help you drive incomes and because investing in startup can help you also drive new ways, new incomes. Yes. It's a two lines. Correct. Yeah, I would I would say, you know, what we've seen so far, and, and we are only two years into our accelerator program, I think in the short term, it, it is providing um, some pretty significant impact on on both our brand, as well as yeah. as our culture. Um, and we've been able to, to run pilots and proofs of concept with some of the companies that have come through our accelerator program that have, you know, shown us and given us a glimpse um, into what, you know, some of the longer term benefits can be. Um, but yeah, we are, are, uh, ultimately hoping to, to see decent returns on a revenue side, six to 10 years down the road. Hmm. So tell us more about the accelerator program with Techstars. I mean, first team to do something so deep and so strong, uh, let us know more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So as an organization, we had our third generation of ownership where we are owned by the Polad family and, and the third generation of ownership, um, specifically Joe Polad, is, uh, uh, came back into the organization recently and has now taken over as, as day-to-day owner. Um, you know, one of the initiatives that, that he really wanted us to, uh, embark on was to take a look at, um, at our brand and and who we are as an organization. So we underwent a pretty extensive review with the help of a local strategic firm here um, and uh, did some pretty deep inward looking at who we are as an organization and who we hope to be. Um, pretty extensive design thinking process that involved people from various levels of the organization, uh, myself included. One of the recommendations that ended up coming out of that process was um, that we should start our own accelerator. Um, you know, it, it sounds cool at the time, you know, none of us really knew what that meant. So we had to get smart about it pretty fast. And we, uh, we took a look at, um, and ultimately narrowed it down to four different avenues that we could go to, to, to start an accelerator program. Um, the first avenue was, uh, basically a startup or pitch competition hosted by the team. Um, that didn't feel like a deep enough entry into the space to provide any meaningful long-term benefits for our brand. Um, the, the second was to run an accelerator, uh, internally by ourselves without any help became pretty apparent pretty quickly that we did not have the expertise to do that in house. Mm -hmm. Um, so we turned to, um, external sources and that, that, uh, you know, helped us narrow in on, uh, ultimately the two options that we presented to ownership were, uh, partnering with organizations. One was a little bit more locally focused um and the other was a bit more internationally focused and that was was tech stars and ultimately um our ownership decided 
that if we're going to get into the accelerator space, um, and this is going to be our, our, you know, mechanism for venture capital investing, we might as well uh, get into it with the most established people in the space, which is Techstars. So that uh, that was about three years ago. Uh, we started the program uh, in uh, in 2021, ran our first cohort in 2021. Uh, we're in the middle of our second cohort here. We actually wrap up our second cohort in about two weeks, two weeks from tomorrow. Um, we, we have our demo day here in Minneapolis. So um, we are uh, we are quickly closing in on our second cohort and and looking forward to to the next one. So the cohort, when you say cohorts, it's selection of startups that you do that you accelerate on site, correct? In that is that's business. correct. Yeah, that's correct. So we um, have a process where we accept applications from startups. We are constantly sourcing startups. I'm always having conversations with startups. Our partners at TechStars are constantly having conversations with startups. But um, we open up an application process. We see over a hundred companies uh, on an annual basis apply to be a part of this. Ultimately, we narrow it down to ten companies uh, that we choose to invest in and bring to Minnesota for a three-month uh, hyper-intensive program, almost a business boot camp, if you will. Uh, and uh, these very, very early-stage companies come out of that boot camp uh, ready to compete in, in the big, bad business world. So so you said you have this partnership with Techstars, but the whole organization is involved. It's not just you, uh, I mean, which is already something great. Yeah, it's a whole organization that is behind this initiative. That's it's right. Yeah, so we have more than uh, thirty people at, at from this cohort here. We have more than thirty people uh, from the Minnesota Twins front office that uh, have served as mentors for these companies. They're um, at the beck and call of the ten companies that we have uh, sitting in this room next to me here um, to to give them feedback and ideas. Some of those people um, are tapped as lead mentors uh, for these companies and and able to provide even greater level of uh, of encouragement and, and knowledge to them. Um, and we do have, have companies that span um, and touch every part of our business. We've got uh, a company that uh, is on the ticketing side that touches you know, our primary uh, revenue generator. Um, we've got companies on the human performance side. One is down with our uh, trainers down in spring training right now, uh, testing out their equipment on on some of our minor league athletes. So um, it touches it really all aspects of our business, um, and and we are working diligently to integrate what these startups are doing into our business flows to the extent it makes sense for us and the startups. So it's both business and. Sports performance. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. From when you started, if you look at yourself three years ago when you started that, what was you thinking? And where were you naive in some ways because that was all new and you were thinking, ooh, 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 and not happening exactly the way you saw it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. I, I would say that's one of the major 
benefits of having experts like Techstars hold our hands through this process and, and partnering with them on it is uh, they have really deep knowledge and expertise in uh, the tech and venture capital space. They're able to do things that we don't have the connections to do. They are able to perform a really deep level of uh, technological due diligence that uh, we're not equipped to do. They have uh, connections on, um, you know, really the finance side that we're working on building out, but don't have as as deep of connections as they have in the space. Um, so re really anything that um, we don't know, that's why we've partnered with them because they do. Um, and where the team comes in um, is we're experts uh, at figuring out ways to work with these companies and coming up with creative use cases for how we can apply this technology. Um, and we've come up with some really cool ones over the years. We did a, an incredible activation uh, with a group called Edge Sound Research um, that, uh, that has added a dimension to, you know, sonic reproduction uh, with a technology they called embodied audio. Um, and, and what that looked like was uh, we had what we called the Resonex Sound Lounge at Target Field, it was a mobile sound lounge that we had uh, plugged into, uh, you know, both our stadium PA as well as some of the microphones behind home plate. And the really cool thing about this technology is um, it's vibration based instead of, uh, you know, speakers push air in your direction. So um, when you hear something, you not only hear it, but you feel it with every fiber of your being. So uh, with with it being hooked up to the microphones behind home plate, you can feel the pop of the glove. You can feel the crack of the bat almost as though you're standing in the batter's box, um, which is frankly a next level fan experience. So uh, to bring it back around a little bit, yeah, we have companies that operate on the ticketing side, you know, our primary revenue driver, we have companies that operate on the human performance side. Um, but we also have companies that are really creating, helping us create these next level fan experiences through creative applications that they might not have thought of had they not come through our accelerator and that we frankly just wouldn't have known about um, the technology without it. So what you mentioned is quite impressive. So does it mean a lot of changes in infrastructures? Uh, that I mean, that's that's the beauty of of their product is uh, is that you can really affix it to just about anything. Um, it, it's it's incredible technology. You could you could affix it to the bottom of your desk that you're you're sitting at right now, and it would in essence turn your desk into a speaker. It's it is it's wild wild technology. Like um, if if you've never felt the shape of a sound wave as it travels through your body, I highly recommend. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's incredible. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. I think I will deep dive on that one. Um, I mean it many more yeah so right now you're on the third generation um you can see the results of the first cohort maybe well yeah that's the beginning um yeah but what are the things you, you've done a, a lot of things you've been innovating in the metaverse you've been innovating in esports yeah in the spaces you you've done first time ever for sports organizations uh what is the thing you're most proud of to help us understand kind of achievements or concrete examples of innovation yeah. in place? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, another another great question. Um, you know, uh, there there are a handful of things that I can point to that I'm really proud of. One is um, we, the Minnesota Twins, we launched the first metaverse activation in professional sport, and that was in February of 2021. It was before Mark Zuckerberg dropped the term metaverse, so that that term was not uh, a part of. Uh, the lexicon at at the time, so it, it, it was it was truly ahead of its time. Um, but we launched that in partnership with a local uh, company here called Rem Five Studios, who we still um, are are you know associated with, um, and uh, uh, and really we launched that as a way um, to try to make up for having our fan fest, you know, not being able to host our fan fest in person. How are we going to reach fans in this COVID environment? Um, and, you know, our, our partners at REM5 introduced us to this, this metaverse technology that, um, that very few people outside of the gaming community had ever seen. Um, and immediately, you know, uh, myself and uh, a guy I was working with at the time, Kevin Hughes grasped, you know, we, we, they demoed it for us and, and we, we got it. We understood what, you know, um, the power behind it and, and what it meant for the future of of experience um and so we we worked with rem5 we built out two metaverse experiences in 2021 before again before the term metaverse was a, a part of the zeitgeist and um we built the first one was uh call it was uh twins xr uh hall of fame experience we built out a virtual hall of fame that had um lockers for all uh 34 members of the twin at 34 at the time members of the twins hall of fame uh with gigantic 3d replicas of uh some pretty unique memorabilia the bat that Harmon killabrew used to hit his 520 foot home run a world series statue um in uh i, I can't remember what the third one was but it, it was it was a uh i'm sure looking back on it it will be very primitive but to us it was a very rich experience that was within a 3d environment that allowed uh you and i to experience it together from separate locations it had video content uh in rooms um and then so that was the first activation we did with them the second one was uh called you know twins xr the art of baseball and that was right when nfts were kind of having their hot moment and we actually released our first nft uh within twins xr the art of baseball and and that was in uh september of 2021 so that's one experience I'll point to. We were the first team in the metaverse. Um, probably not the first team to get a ton of coverage about it, but um, but definitely the first. Um, <laughs> the other one I'll point to is an activation. Oh, we before did. before ahead, we yeah. move to the other one. Sure. When we start to understand the process. Um, yeah. So the idea came from REM5, if I'm correct. REM5, REM5 Studios. Yeah. Yeah. So come to you. Say, oh, that sounds good. How did... What makes you decide how much, how can I say, how much money to invest on it? And what results were you expecting? Sure. Or just had a spirit of let's explore. And we have a free, we have, you know, a testing budget where we explore new fields and let's see how it goes. Yeah. 
What, yeah. What so, so yeah, in this case, we did have a testing budget um, that is, is it's a modest testing budget, but it's earmarked for innovation projects. Um, and, and uh, in this case, in terms of uh, what we were trying to do in terms of the KPIs that we set out, um, generally for a Twins Fest, we would a, a good turnout would be ten thousand fans throughout the course of the weekend. Um, so you know, we say we were going to draw ten thousand fans to an in-person event here at Target Field. If I can draw ten thousand fans to this digital experience, that's a success. Um, we didn't get anywhere near that. <laughs> uh, I, you know, we, we were idealistic and, and, uh, obviously very early on. Um, and, and again, this is before it's time. So, uh, we probably drew somewhere to, uh, between a 10th and a fifth of our, our KPI. So by, uh, by performance standards, uh, it was a total failure. Right. But I think <laughs> the thing you need, and I strongly believe this, the thing with innovation is you need to be open to the idea that you are going to receive intangible benefits that are going to far outweigh any potential KPIs that you can set out uh, at the beginning of it. Um, and, and that's a hard thing for a lot of, uh, you know, people on the revenue driving side to get their heads around or, or, or even agree with, and that's, that's fine. Um, but I think, uh, I, I mean, that, that is one of the, my guiding principles is that we need to recognize intangible benefits. Um, and we need to get comfortable not knowing uh, what those are up front. And, and so, I mean, you know, ultimately um, that activation played a significant role in our thought leadership in the space. It brought people to the table um, that we never would have been talking to before. Um, ultimately, that's one of the best things we've ever done, that if you measured it by a pure KPIs that you set out up front, uh, it would have been qualified as, as a total failure. So, um, we went off on a bit of a tangent there, but, uh, but, you know, guided there by, again, your great questions. <laughs> that's so the intangible made that became tangible with the contacts and all the feedbacks made that you decided to keep on going and, and make it grow. So metaverse yeah. space. Yeah. And, the, and, and ultimately um, the sec, so ultimately we were able to sell the second experience to a sponsor. So, um, so the, the revenue aspect was there uh, in the long run through our second activation. Um, but, you know, I've said for a long time, something's got to be cool before it's monetizable. Um, and, and you, you, you have to be able to prove these things out and, and you don't get to own it unless you're, you're out there testing things and, and playing in the space. Would you recommend organizations to have a free budget dedicated to just exploring? without asking too much. <laughs> uh, I would recommend it, but only if you've got someone that knows how to execute on that. Uh, you okay. know, a budget just sitting there without uh, without a dreamer behind it. Um, and, and frankly, without a dreamer who knows how to execute within the context of an organization is, is just a wasted budget in my mind. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. But you have this flexibility in the budget to explore new things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another of the first ever. Yeah. Yeah. Was a stadium scale augmented reality application. Yeah. Yeah. So we we partnered with a, a local group uh called Around Capital AR. 
uh, around uh, that uh, that helped us uh, ultimately bring to life the first stadium scale shared augmented reality experience. And uh, the founder, Josh Beatty, uh, came to us about uh, about two years ago at this point that we started exploring this. Um, eh, maybe a little less. Uh, he came to us and and essentially had an idea and some funding. Um, and said, look, this is this is what I can do with technology. And in my estimation, the limiting factor to date in augmented reality is that it's a very isolating experience. It's between a user and their phone. There's no shared aspect of it. Yeah, you can sometimes share the content, which is cool, um, but it's not a shared human experience. It's an isolating experience that that you have by yourself. And what this guy told me he could do was uh, was create shared experiences in augmented reality that were persistent. And what that means is um, it takes into context my location within a facility or uh, within a space and, and allows me to see that from a different angle um, as someone else who is in that. So within the context of a ballpark, if I'm on the first base side, um, I am seeing the same thing as the person on the third base side but from the context of what position I'm in, from a different angle. Um, and so he said he could bring large-scale, persistent, shared, augmented reality um, to life in a stadium. Um, and I said, I think you're kind of crazy, but I like it. And what do you need, man? And he said, um, all I need is access to your facility to do some testing. Sure. Happy to do that, Josh. You got it, bud. And so uh, we gave him access to the facility and he started building. Um, and really at every point along the way, I was uh, it was a very challenging build um, and and hurdles the entire the entire way. Um, and I just kept seeing around and Josh, you know, jump hurdle after hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. And by the time, you know, August rolled around, we had an MVP that we were ready to roll out to and put in front of fans. So towards the end of last season for 20 games, uh, we rolled out the Twiniverse, which was the first large-scale uh, stadium-wide shared augmented reality experience in professional sport um, that included a number of things. It included an augmented reality overlay that allowed me as a fan to throw hot dogs onto the field. It allowed me to pelt my friend across the stadium with, you know, a giant squid. Um, it, it allowed for a variety of interactions, but it also allowed for uh, playing of some really cool games. And we had a home run derby game where uh, a fan is sitting at their seat. They can um, hit home runs in the app and they can watch their home runs as, uh, as they would fly from their perspective in the stadium. So um, they would hit a home run and they, they could watch it, you know, fly in real time. Uh, on their phone where it would have flown in target field. So um, we launched a, a highly, you know, successful, highly engaging augmented reality app with a round that saw um, th this is the stat that blew my mind. The, the, and this was all due to the home run derby activation fans were trying to hit home runs and, and we were giving away some autographed bats. Um, cool prizing never hurts, you know, um, but we saw fans spending 25 minutes on average with 
in this app, um, you know, uh, during the course of a game, which I don't know how familiar you are with baseball, but 25 minutes is more uh, more time than there is actually game action uh, within the course of a baseball game. So uh, our our early indications were that uh, one, it was an incredibly engaging experience, and two, when we launched it, um, the level of media attention around it. Um, I, I guess I'll say while our metaverse activation was ahead of its time, this activation with around was right on time. And I think that was validated by the amount of media that covered it. And it was media from a variety of sectors. Yeah, we got the, the sports tech pubs that, um, that I, I know and love, but we also got, uh, you know, mainstream consumer, uh, publications. We also got, uh, things kind of on the ad agency. And, and and marketing side of things. So um, the amount and, uh, you know, the types of media that we got across a variety of, of interest areas really helped us validate the product. Um, and, and um, you know, following the season, Josh went on to do a deal with the LA Rams and um, the activation that he did with them was, was absolutely incredible and, and, you know, built on what we had built at target field. Um, so continuing to iterate and innovate um, and, and that activation got just as much press as the, first one which i i never see anyone get two bites at that apple you know um so uh so that one lo- long way of saying really proud of what we built there and really looking forward to what we're going to be able uh to show fans within that platform in 2023 that's good the hard thing is to keep innovating and upgrading the experience <laughs> yeah yeah I, I like something you said because you said a lot of press outside of, of the sports business or sports tech world spoke about yeah. it because sometimes sports is late yeah. I mean, and innovative late compared to other entertainment or industries mm-hmm. uh, uh, like music, movies, or other industries. Yeah. And sometimes sports is showing the way and then startups having solutions tasted in sport, which is very amplifiable, then can expand to... I mean, if you do that, you could do it in other entertainment spaces, I would suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what an incredible platform to be able to use and and this i mean this is is ultimately what i'm trying to do it to be able to use sport as a platform to expand the boundaries of human experience is is really what i try to do on a day-to-day basis and to get to work with incredibly inspiring founders that have amazing ideas and a crazy amount of know-how to execute those ideas to be able to put those ideas on the platform that sport has um and get them you know integrated into to potentially other industries um, is is a really incredible position to be in. It is. It is. Well, there are many more, uh, and we have li- limited time, obviously. Uh, but um, there are many more innovations. So I invite everyone to take a look at your LinkedIn, and there we'll see how many things and to yeah. the and to the twins, uh, yeah. obviously, web page. But um, if we look on what's next, what do you think? Again, easy to say. Uh, yeah. No one other uh, as a crystal ball. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do. I have it sitting right here. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think will be the text that will definitely change, uh, make a big impact 
on fan engagement, eventually business models. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Is yeah, there you know, it'll be interesting to look. Yet? It'll be interesting to look back on this in ten years and see how this answer ages. Yeah. But I, I mean, I feel like it's an obvious answer. I mean, the the oncoming wave of Web three is uh, going to fundamentally change uh, really everything about how we go about business, how we go about fan engagement. Um, it's that's it. I mean, I think ten years down the road, uh, things are going to fit together in kind of a seamless integrated nature and we're gonna wonder how we lived without this technology and our kids are going to uh, not be able to imagine life before it um you know there's going to be uh digital layers over the physical world and it's going to seem totally seamless um but that's you know 10 to 15 years down the road it's going to be really, really messy in between now and then. And uh, I am in the business of making those messes. Um, and and we do that with the uh, with the knowledge that ultimately we'll get to shape um, what that final cohesive uh, picture looks like when things, you know, do come together in a way that's seamless and um, really, you know, change the human experience for the better hmm. very nice very nice and who knows what the world we will be used from metaverse to web3 not existing three years ago <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but uh okay seamless experiences fully integrated immersive flawless um yeah but enhancing human experience yeah, if it doesn't have utility and functionality, it's not going to last. Yeah, yeah. So you you heavily you you you're a first mover, right? You don't believe in let's see what the others do and then we move. You want to be one of the first movers and yeah. test and iterate. Absolutely. <laughs> Any tip you have for people in your position? Uh innovation. Yeah. Man, that's that's a tough one. Um, I think you can't. I, for me, I can't pay too much attention to what else is going on in the world. Yeah, I love to see, um, you know, what the latest you know news is and what's going on. But like to do something really truly cool, if you're too worried about that and copying the next organization's this um or you know jumping on the the next thing um i you're never going to do anything that's truly cool and unique and you're and and that doesn't that doesn't ultimately push the human experience forward um so you know yeah it's good to know what's going on but don't get too hung up on what other people are doing if you or what other organizations are doing um if you feel like you're onto something uh chase it down Good one. Good one. To close our interviews um, in, at this master's podcast, we have a series of questions. Sure. A quick question for quick answers. Okay. I'm nervous <laughs> now. <laughs> Easy one. Your favorite all-time athlete and why? Uh, Craig Kelly, uh, professional snowboarder. Former professional snowboarder died died in an avalanche. He he was he was a pioneer and a groundbreaker. Um, you know, in in the free ride scene, certainly. I mean, he he left the competition scene uh, at the height of his career to pursue the purity of snowboarding, and and I love that pioneer. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. He, he was a true pioneer. Craig Kelly, the man. What is your favorite event? Favorite sporting event? I mean, the World Series, um, the, the Major League Baseball World Series. The, the moment when a team wins a World Series is that's my favorite moment in sport all uh, the entire year. Um, more so than any other sport, I think the baseball season is a grind, 162 regular season games, uh, plus the postseason, uh, to watch a team finally, uh, get that moment of victory is, I, I think that is a really special thing. Your favorite sound in your stadium? Uh, crack of the bat. When a bat connects with a ball um, and it's clean, there's there's no sound like that. And when it's replicated on the Resonex Sound Lounge, even better. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to move it to the stadium when when the plane is flying. It's- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite word? Favorite word? Yeah. Ooh, probably not appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> 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 and then the least favorite word as well <laughs> least favorite word uh is no good yeah yeah <laughs> especially in your field yeah what profession other than the one you have now would you have liked to attempt or would you like to attempt eventually Ooh, what would i do if i wasn't doing this um you know uh i would uh i'd like to start a business at some point i'd like to start a business um, I've got I got a, I got a few ideas cooking there. <laughs> I follow up on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, who inspires you and say, "Wow, this man is amazing," and why? Um, you know, uh, I I would say my my wife really inspires me. Um, she's she's a um, she's a PhD and is is poking at the edges of human knowledge in her own way and. Um, uh, to use uh, scientific knowledge in a way that I will never be able to is um, is really fun to watch. Wow, beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you had one more hour every day, what would you do? Probably play with my kids. Play more with your kids? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, last one. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Come on in, man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> cool. Chris, thanks so much for this time. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Um, cool. Very nice one. And yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to a new SIS Masters podcast. We'd love you to subscribe. Please leave a review or rate the podcast. It will help us improve. We'd love to see you in the next episode. Enjoy. Enjoy.